0: The Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 587 for September 10th, 2017. U.S. operators join forces on a universal authentication solution. T-Mobile starts giving away Netflix and last-minute predictions about the new iPhones. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Kappas. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application. Available now for Android, iOS, and Windows Phone 8 for $1.99. First this week, and finishing up the news out of IFA in Berlin, Huawei announcing its next flagship mobile SOC the Kirin 970. So Huawei has claimed the chip will have its first dedicated coprocessor for AI, which it calls an NPU or Neural Network Processing Unit. The NPU allows AI tasks such as image recognition to run 5 to 25 times faster than chips without the NPU and with up to 50 times better battery life. The Kirin 970 also includes Cat 18 LTE and supports 1.2 gigabit per second speeds. It has eight CPU cores for A73 at 2.4 gigahertz and for a 53 at 1.8 GHz plus 12 GPU cores, dual isp based on the 10 nanometer process high energy efficiency with that Uh, it also announced the mate 10 and mate 10 pro devices with full displays and will be powered by that kirin 970 chip both of those new devices will be announced in october in munich next mobile operators in the us this week said they will work together to help customers more easily manage app and account authentication while also protecting customers privacy and identity AT&T, Sprint, T-Mobile, and Verizon together announced the Mobile Authentication Task Force, which will create a mobile authentication solution for consumer and business customers by next year. The carriers are going to pool resources and analyze customer data and activity patterns on their respective mobile networks to accurately predict if people are who they say they are. They'll then parse information such as geolocation, network-based device behaviors, and SIM card recognition to determine identity and authenticate the user. The four carriers are taking an open approach to the mobile authentication task force and hope third-party organizations and developers will also participate. They didn't provide an exact timeline on when the initial offering would occur.
1: Okay, so this is kind of interesting and, and it's basically kind of the progression of security. If you think back, if, if you're a Google user and have been for many, many years, you know, when you first signed up for Gmail oh, way back in the day, uh, you know, you put in your username and password and that was it. And that was kind of the extent of the security. And then, you know, a little later on, they added a little thing at the very bottom that says, you know, your last login was in this kind of city state and your IP address was this then it went to a next step. It was like, okay, uh, you know, if there was maybe a strange login location, it would then alert you. And now it's gone, you know, to the next step where there's, you know, it keeps going and going, and going. Now there's two-factor authentication. And of course, most of these services are now using your cell phone as the second factor authentication, which really puts your mobile operator... Uh, in that chain of security and if there have been lots of reports of you know social engineering uh, somebody calls up them and, and you know gets them to change your uh, password and then thus you can change the sim sim id of the phone and then you lose that second uh, authentication method and people can then hack into your accounts if they've already have your username and password your primary, all they need is to get your carrier to uh, you know release the your phone number to them, the hacker, and then they have everything, and that's very uh, it's, it's 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 a very big problem, and that's what uh, the carriers are seeing here, and they need to now uh, do kind of the exact same thing that Google did, is, is you know increase the security down the line,
0: and by taking in a lot of the pieces of uh, of this information together, uh, whether it's you know where you are, i.e. Uh, your geolocation. Um, your other you know behaviors that you generally or typically are doing with your device um, you know that sim card that physical piece of plastic that you have uh, they can do a lot of things with that and they can help to to create um, a, a very uh, with a high degree of confidence uh, a, a very real authentication that says this is in fact who you say you are uh, where you say you are and the, and you are the one indeed making this phone call
1: Right. Just like how Google does. If you log in from a strange computer in a strange location, it throws up a big error or even locks you out until you say, uh, you know, give it give a secondary authentication that this is actually me trying to log into it. And uh, same same thing. And of course, with security, the uh, unfortunately, the, the weakest link in the chain is the problem. It's going to be, you know, the, whoever has the least amount of security
0: is the max security you have. Yeah, the great thing about this is that all the network operators are together with this, putting together um, the, the tools on this task force together. So it'll be the same across the carriers and hopefully will be even better because it'll have a, even more information and in fact covering probably 95 plus percent of the United States mobile devices.
1: Absolutely. And of course, they're doing this also to save their own skin, too, because what's going to happen is they're going to start being held liable for security breaches. And it will, uh, as more and more services start using this uh, second factor authentication, using your mobile number, uh, they're going to start being uh, held to a higher standard. And thus, uh, probably lawsuit costs will will quickly uh,
0: make this kind of uh, operation seem like a a great deal. Timeline is 2018-ish. Don't know exactly when, but expect something within probably the next 12 to 15 months. Sprint owned Boost Mobile on Friday said taxes and fees are now included in the cost of its mobile service plans for new and existing customers. Boost's current customers will not need to do anything to get the benefit of this change, which will be automatically adopted on all bills after September 8th. Moreover, Boost is rolling out a promotion to entice customers to switch. They're offering those who port to Boost four lines for $100 with unlimited talk, text, and data on all four lines. International services will cost extra. Sprint says streaming for all Boost customers is mobile-optimized with video up to 480p and music up to 500 kilobits per second. Games are limited to streams of 2 megabits per second, and Sprint will slow down speeds when the network is congested. Boost Mobile's plans start at $25 a month. T Mobile Wednesday said select subscribers can enjoy Netflix included in their plans at no additional cost. The company announced the program called Netflix On Us through one of its uncarrier moves. It is available to T-Mobile One customers who have a minimum of two lines in taxes and fees included in the plan. T-Mobile says promotions that include free lines and free phones are eligible for the offer. You just need to be a T-Mobile One customer. Customers need to associate their Netflix account with T-Mobile through their T-Mobile mobile mobile application. Thereafter, T-Mobile will cover the Netflix bill on a monthly basis for as long as customers maintain their plan. It also includes a standard Netflix subscription, typically a $10 per month cost, and per Up to two simultaneous streams or the caching of offline video on two devices. T Mobile will not count Netflix streams against customers' monthly data allotments. The offer also includes family allowance at no extra cost, allowing parents to manage their children's phone usage, such as time limits. Video streamed over T-Mobile's network is DVD quality, i.e. 480p rather than high definition. Customers of the T-Mobile Unlimited 55 Plus plans or two lines for $100 plans will need to switch to one of the newest T-Mobile One plans. Netflix is available to T-Mobile customers at no cost. Beginning this coming Tuesday, September twelfth. Now, the interesting thing about this, of course, is that there's two big caveats. If you are an individual, i.e., single line T-Mobile subscriber, you don't get access to this. And if you are on one of their older plans with a specific amount of data, uh, with the Data Stash uh, plan, you are no, you are not eligible for this either. This year, this is T-Mobile one customers with more than or two lines or more on that account. So this is going to only apply to a certain swath of people. Um, I seriously thought about this, but then at the same time thought, you know, I have four lines uh, right now for effectively $100 a month. I don't only want, I don't want to go down to two lines for that same $100. It just didn't make sense to me.
1: No, absolutely not. And of course, you know, you'd almost expect them to have uh, uh, for accounts with, you know, Four or more lines that they would actually uh, include the the higher level Netflix plan, so you could do more multi- more stream uh, simultaneous streams because that does cost uh, additional per month.
0: Right, right. I you know I, I think about like what at least what it is that they're offering here, um, and it is for you know for couples that are on the same plan. There's a good chance you've got Netflix. Um, it's going to save a lot of people this hundred and twenty dollars a month. It's it's a nice add-on to the plan, um, further enticing and providing an additional value add to people who are T-Mobile customers if you can fully take advantage of all of the things, all the restrictions uh, and qualifications that they require for you to get it. T-Mobile and its technology partners Nokia and Qualcomm on Friday said they've reached peak download speeds in excess of 1.175 gigabits per second using LTEA equipment in a lab. To reach those speeds, T-Mobile and its partners used the 4.9G Nokia airscale base station together with the Qualcomm Snapdragon X20 LTE modem mobile test device. The X20 supports Category 18 LTE for theoretical peak download speeds of 1.2 gigabits per second. The network ran 12 independent streams of LTE data, relying on a 4x4 multiple input, multiple output, and 256 QAM and three channel carrier aggregation across 60 megahertz of the T Mobile network. T Mobile says the test demonstrated that commercially available 4G technologies can deliver unprecedented download speeds well beyond what customers experience today. T Mobile, and of course, all the carriers are developing their 4 plus and 5G technologies, uh, even though the ITU is yet to define the standards specifications. T-Mobile also winning top honors again as the fastest mobile network in the United States during the first half of 2017, this according to a new U.S. market report for mobile broadband shared by Ookla. So the carrier has scored a 23.17 using Ookla's new speed score metric that combines low-end, median, and top-end performance for both upload and download speeds. Ookla says this is a comprehensive metric combining all factors that matter to a good network experience into a single score. Score. About 10% lower than T-Mobile was Verizon with a speed score of 21.13, while AT&T came in third with a score of 2005 followed by Sprint about 50% lower at 15.39. Now, according to Ookla, T-Mobile's tightly spaced cell site grid and smaller subscriber base gave it an edge over Verizon and AT&T, both of whom are dealing with the higher traffic loads since their unlimited plans were introduced last year. And while Verizon has managed to deliver a consistent and reliable performance experience across its network despite the unlimited plan, the rollout of AT&T's unlimited plans resulted in a notable drop in performance. Sprint, unsurprisingly, had the slowest moment network performance with a speed score of that 15.39 Then, despite improvements made over the course of the last year Between June 2016 and June 2017, there were LTE speed increases of nearly 24% on the Sprint network, but still can't match the big three. Now, quoting the piece, they say T-Mobile comes out on top for overall speeds and acceptable speeds at a national level and provides the fastest service in 40% of the largest cities in the U.S. Verizon has the fastest service in many of the cities we looked at and comes in first unacceptable speeds in the top 100 CMAs, but we suspect their use of deep prioritization on unlimited could be bringing down their overall performance at&t falls near the bottom in consistency of acceptable speeds and also saw uh, a a spoke of low end speeds in q2 2017 the slowest carrier sprint struggles with consistently providing acceptable speeds but saw big gains in the first half of the year over last year and so while the uh, information covers the U.S. as a whole, Ookla has also compared mobile performance across those 100 most populated cellular market areas, or CMAs, within the country. The rankings are about the same. T-Mobile and Verizon, neck and neck. Across the board, users in populated cellular markets see higher speeds, of course. Mobile performance varies greatly from area to area. So while T-Mobile may have the best overall network speeds, AT&T or Verizon, or even Sprint, could have an edge depending on where the user is located. But across all carriers, there is a 19 increase in the average mobile download speed between the first half of 16 and the first half of 17 and an average speed of 22.7 megabits per second. The average mobile upload speeds didn't see quite as much of an improvement coming in at 8.5 megabits per second. That's only a 4% improvement year over year. And when it comes to the average mobile download speed, the US ranked 44th in the world. That rank drops down to 65th for average mobile upload speed. In rural areas, performance can be significantly worse. Speeds are about 21% lower uh, than the nation as a whole. Verizon uh, at 51%, AT&T at 27% have far more coverage in rural areas than T-Mobile at 11% and Sprint at 10%. UCLA's report is based on data gathered from its popular speed test intelligence benchmark during the first half of 2017. Three million unique devices performed more than 14 million user-initiated cellular network tests, giving the company a lot of data to work with and figure out the trends for the year. Uh, For the Galaxy S7 and iPhone 7 comparison tests, data from 250,000 iPhones was collected, as well as 134,000 galaxy devices so this again goes to a conversation we had a month ago a year ago 10 years ago it all depends on where you are and the best network is the network that works where you live, where you work, and the places in between, and don't go by any of these reports to determine what's going to be the best network for you. It may be the best network in the country for one particular metric, but that doesn't mean that just because T-Mobile is the Ferrari and, you know, Verizon is the Hummer right now when it comes to, like, traversing the country with speed and reliability, you have a lot of different variables in there and there could be another network that works better for you. But very interesting stuff there over a ton, literally for Fourteen million tests that were done across the country in device news kicking it off apple's next media event right around the corner 10 a.m pacific this coming tuesday september 12th at its new headquarters in cupertino But we don't have to wait until then to get a glimpse of what's to come. The Golden Master version of iOS 11 leaked out on Friday, shedding some light on products and features coming this week. On the Apple Watch application, there's an image of a third-generation wearable, and it does have a cellular connection. So if you look very closely at the picture, you can see a couple of different things, including a phone call complication. There are the four dots in the middle of the screen that show what the signal strength is, and also a special red uh, digital crown on the side of it so we are definitely getting a cellular connection in the next apple watch Um, current design uh, is what the new design will basically be Uh, a phone number of the or on the device will effectively be the same phone number as what you have with your current iphone so if you were thinking about how that was going to work it does appear that you're going to maintain the same number as your phone on your watch
1: Right, and it's kind of the same thing. What happens This happened uh, this week to me. I was actually on a phone call, and somebody else called me, and my iPad rang, and I answered that phone call while I was still holding the phone in the other hand uh, on a current phone call. So it'd be that same kind of uh, system where it's using the uh, the, the voice over LTE, and it can handle multiple devices.
0: Yeah. So it, I mean, of course it is, right? I mean, there, it wouldn't make any sense for Apple to provide yet another phone number uh, and and have that. So um, it will be an add on to the plans. It sounds like. So depending on the carrier, you'll have. Have different things to that you'll have to figure out there um, it does appear that there will be special pricing promotions even potentially free periods of uh, service that the carriers will offer for this uh, but effectively you will be adding on another line onto your plan in order for this to work so more to come uh, with that one in a lot of detail i'm sure this week there's one can- inconsistency
1: though you know looking at that picture which i saw that you know shows the signal dots that we're all used to with uh uh it, it was i think it introduced in ios 7 you know we still have it now or uh, even okay so it's um uh, so what's supposed to happen now with iOS 11 we're supposed to go back to the signal strength indicator like the Wi-Fi so they're already not keeping their own design consistent so that really does kind of bug me
0: and there are only four dots on the screen of the phone and the iPhone has five the iPad has five so not not sure what's going on there but um, but yeah that that's what effectively that is is you know, symbolizing is the the signal strength that you have. Um also as noted by 9 to 5 Mac, uh in the new Golden Master there are references to Face ID uh which will be the new name of the facial recognition system for the iPhones. Um it there are images that feature the design of the new iPhone slim bezels and indeed the notch at the top of the device for the camera. Um the display of the device uh separates out uh, where the signal strength bars are which now as you point out change from the dots to the bars. Um, To the time, which gets separated off on one side, uh, there's new animation for uh, when some data is loading. There's a lot of new stuff that's changing with this. Um, The display itself will also feature True Tone, much like the iPad Pro, um, something that we had been uh, talking about in the past as a previous rumor. Now, two iPhone 8 uh, screenshots were buried within the update, and they gave us a look at the new navigation bar. Um, which will replace the home button with a lot of gestures. Pulling upwards on the bar brings up the home screen, and a longer pull brings up the app switcher. There's also hints that an elongated sleep uh, and sleep-wake button, now called the side button, will activate, activate Siri and bring up Apple Pay cards and passes. There also appears to be a new portrait lightning, uh, light- lighting feature that may work as the flash on the device, offering up contour light, natural light, stage light, stage light, uh, mono, and studio light. Um, and there's also some new rec- video recording options, including uh, 1080p HD at Uh, 240 frames per second um, as well as 4k at both 24 and 60 frames per second so um, a lot of different things that uh, we're seeing uh, with that and then there's hints of animated emoji for iMessage uh, which would be obviously a a, a big thing a lot of people love emoji and animating those emoji I think would be a a huge thing uh, as uninteresting or benign as it sounds I actually think that's going to be a big deal for people.
1: And uh, and the rumor also went further that those emoji will actually use your current face using the on the higher end uh, phone using that face uh, scanning thing uh, to actually replicate what your face is doing.
0: Yeah, okay. So, kind of an interesting, uh, you know, you, you bring in stuff that you're actually happening in real life and and, and do that. So, uh, there's also references to AirPods 1.2 or 1,2, which would potentially be a revised version of the new Bluetooth headphones. Uh, also, on the hardware side, we now think we know the names. Um, three new phones are called out in the software the iPhone 8, so no 7S, uh, iPhone 8 Plus. And then iPhone 10 or iPhone X uh, is what it's uh, called out as. Now, um, you know, I've been hearing and reading a lot of it. And every time I read it, I read iPhone X. Um, But then it reminds me back to... You know, we had Mac OS X. It wasn't Mac OS X. And so I think um, depending on what they decide to do, it might be just known as the iPhone 10, but it'll show as iPhone X. The 8 and 8 plus would be the lower tier LCD phones. And that iPhone 10 would be the anticipated bezelless OLED model. Um, certainly not 100% on any of these, but it is uh, th- this, you know, software is the best Indicator and confidence is very high that all of this information is correct. So, more to come here in uh, just about 48 hours on Tuesday.
1: Right. And then, you know, new Apple TV and some other things are also rumored. So, it should be a, an interesting event. And it's a, you know, a lot of eyes are on Apple. I've, I, I mean, people. I've heard I see on the news uh, people are waiting for this new phone. They've been waiting for it actually for a couple of years now because this 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 device that's now really been taking shape with all the rumors has actually been rumored now for 2 to 3 years this device has been floating out there. And I, 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 you know, kind of rewinding the tape here and thinking about what uh, we've heard, this has been a long time in the making. And I think it's, uh, I, I start to wonder, well, do the rumors form the device or was the device actually kind of in existence? And the rumors were were following that device that was kind of floating out there. I kind of wonder
0: how, how, how it came to be, but it's, it's interesting. We're now finally at this point. So, you know, I, Obviously, we follow this stuff very closely, and I and I agree with you that if this is all over, uh, you know, the news. Just because there's so many people that have iPhones. In fact, um, I'm a Washington Post subscriber. Front page of the business section: uh, the iPhone is 10. Where does Apple go from here? Is the story, um, and it actually goes through, you know, quite a bit of detail about what's gone on with Apple over, you know, the time since Tim Cook has taken over it. And uh, you know, they also provide some insight into what's expected. Of course, talking about a premium handset. For For the 10th edition, uh, something that's got glass on the front and the back, uh, you know, a different display technology, wireless charging, all of those things. So, um, yeah, they basically say three different models, premium model, 10th anniversary, wireless charging, incompatible with AI or augmented reality, that is, applications. So, um, you know, there's, you know, even in the most mainstream of publications, they're still talking about this stuff. Um, And so it's going to be all over everything. It's going to be kind of like a a one-two uh, you know, I'm sure between uh, the hurricane coverage uh, from the weekend and, uh, and and what's happening with uh, with this, so it, it's a it's a very interesting thing for for us to see. And we talk about it so much, and now it's kind of converging on this event. And uh, we'll know a lot more on Tuesday. It'll be the headline story for show 588, uh, and uh, a lot more to come with this next week. On the software side, Netflix recently adding the Galaxy Note 8, Xperia XZ1, and the LG V30 to its list uh, of those available to play high-definition video in HDR. The only other handsets capable of Netflix HDR are the LG G6 and the Xperia XZ Premium, uh, which have the needed HDR displays. In order to view HDR content on the handsets, owners have to subscribe to the $12 Premium Netflix plan, streaming on four screens and Ultra HD resolution. You'll also have to ensure that the latest version of the app is installed on your device and select High Definition for video playback quality. That's
1: really interesting that they're adding that to mobile devices. Of course, with the streaming networks uh, holding or holding back the the quality of the stream, I don't think this really applies to uh, some of the, the people that have that. But it's very interesting they're doing that. Of course, if you're at home on Wi-Fi, it, do, it doesn't matter. Um, one thing I was curious I I, I want to now that I, I see the story whether they're supporting that with the the new iPads because I know those do have HDR capable displays. I thought uh, at least I thought they did. So I wonder if they already support uh, Netflix already supports the uh, the iOS device is capable or if it's a feature that will be up and coming.
0: Well, either way, you bring up a great point uh, that on the mobile side, your video stream is limited. You're only getting a certain amount uh, of data passing through. Uh, when uh you know when you're on that network and so this is going to be a little bit for naught but um, you know ultimately it is nice to to be able to have this option if you happen to subscribe to one of these plans which gets me thinking as well uh, when we've got a 4k Apple TV I guess we're gonna need to have uh, a premium Netflix Netflix subscription as well correct
1: absolutely yes uh, you do you need to upgrade to two dollars more to get the, uh, the 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 4k and the HDR support uh, for Netflix so hey at least these days you can actually use Netflix
0: uh, on the cellular connection ...unlike way back in the AT&T days when you just could not use it on cellular. Yeah, that's true. It's uh, we, we, we have definitely come a long way. LTE has opened the door for all of this video to stream across to our devices... Microsoft Friday, updating its Outlook email application for Android, giving it the ability to support add-ins. So add-ins will negate the need to leave Outlook to perform certain tasks, such as translating text, inserting GIFs, or saving items to other services. Some of the launch partners include Evernote, Microsoft Dynamics 365, Microsoft Translator, Nimble, OnePlace Mail, Outlook Customer Manager, Smartsheet, and Trello. Uh, Microsoft Outlook for Android is free to download from the Google Play Store. Add-ins were brought to Outlook for iOS earlier this year. And they said they'll be bringing add-ins to Gmail customers on iOS and Android soon. So this is one of the many reasons I keep using Outlook for iOS applications. I am a heavy Evernote user. In fact, I just looked it up. I've got over 13,000 notes saved in Evernote. um, And I do find myself saving a lot of emails using the Outlook mobile application on the iPhone and iPad. So prior to using the application uh, on the add-in, I would have to flag a message uh, that I wanted to save into Evernote and then deal with it later. Um, and now it's as easy as as when you're going through the email, clicking on uh, you know the uh, the the menu, clicking on Evernote, uh, adding in your tags, and it saves it right off. And then you can file or delete the email appropriately. I use this at least a couple of times a day. I would say so. Uh, if you're an Evernote user and an Android user. Uh, check out Outlook if you haven't yet, and uh, check out just how great it is to be able to save messages off. It beats the heck out of emailing and, and uh, you know an email to yourself, and then having to strip out some of the headers and all that stuff.
1: Right. I need to uh, set that up. Still, I kind of forgot about that Evernote plugin when I because yeah, I've been kind of using the Outlook app uh, not fully yet, but uh, I've been using it more and more. But I, I, I keep forgetting it has all those crazy plugins that really uh, integrate a lot of these uh, third party services in.
0: Yep, you can do, uh, I think, Wonderlist as well if you happen to be looking for a to-do list application uh, that is outside of Outlook. So some interesting stuff uh, to be able to do that with the new Outlook for Android. Google this week expanding Google Trips, Google Flights, and Google Destinations to a larger audience with new languages and availability. Google Destinations is now available in 14 new languages, including Bulgarian, Croatian, Czech, Japanese, Russian, and Slovenian, among others, Google Flights is now searchable in 16 additional countries and languages across much of Europe, and Google Trips is now available on Android and iOS in six new languages, including French, German, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese. Google hopes the expanded availability of these travel tools will help people plan their international trips. The mobile apps are free to download from the Google Play Store and iTunes App Store. And Zelle on Friday said its mobile peer-to-peer payment application will reach the Google Play Store and iTunes App Store on Tuesday, September 12th, following four months of testing. Zelle is supported by more than 30 of the nation's largest banks for sending funds from one person to another. It competes with other uh, P2P payment services such as Venmo and Square Cash. Uh, the difference is the speed of the service. Most services today require a day or two for funds to actually transfer between accounts. Zelle claims it can move cash in a mere minutes between the recipient and the sender just by using an email address or a phone number, allowing near instant withdrawals. Zelle service has already been added to the mobile banking applications from Bank of America, Capital One, Citi, Citizens Bank, Fifth Third Bank, First National Bank, J.P. Morgan Chase, KeyBank, m and PNC, TD Bank, US Bank, Wells Fargo, and over a dozen others so this means users of these banks who send cash to friends via their mobile banking app are already likely using Zelle's service, which is running on the in the background. Uh, what's new, though, is that Zelle is rolling out a separate app under its own brand to stand apart from the banks it works with. The service can be tied to bank accounts and or debit cards, uh, but not credit cards. It's strictly meant to send real money from one person to another. That's very
1: interesting. We've got this peer to peer, and of course, with this uh, iOS eleven that's coming, the uh, iMessage uh, payments is going to be kind of the thing everybody's going to be watching, because uh, of course uh, that's going to be uh, you know potentially a huge way to send money uh, from people to other people. Uh, and I'm just curious how how
0: how or if that will take off. I feel like they're you know most you know th- there's like this line most people that are. Under call it 35 are using the Venmo service. Most people over 35 are using PayPal to send cash. Um, and so this, because of its, let's say, interoperability and lack of a separate service, uh, you can just basically tie it into your bank account and it's already probably running on, you know, with your bank. There's going to be a much higher level of confidence uh, in the security of a program like this. And so I, I see it being slow because to take off, but in the long run, probably very positive. Um, you know, the the Apple Pay thing, though, I mean, that's going to be just because of the ease of it to be able to send money from one person to another. I mean, I, I never add credit cards to applications that I have money loaded on anymore. I just use Apple Pay because it's so easy and convenient. So if someone were if Joe, if you said I need 10 bucks, I would send you 10 bucks over Apple Pay before I think about using anything else just because of how quick that is. So definitely some, uh, you know, going to be some competition in this money sending world, uh, as it always is, the world turns around cash, right? It
1: does. It sure does. So I looked up uh, HDR support on iOS devices. There's rumors that it's going to be uh, with this fall here with the new iPhone coming out. Uh, and according to Netflix, there's a few set-top devices that support HDR, uh, but not uh, any iOS devices yet, and just the, the handful of Android devices you just mentioned. So uh, that, uh, that uh, that's probably forthcoming.
0: Forthcoming, indeed, as uh, we talk more about the future of the quality of video uh you guarantee almost guarantee that apple will have it in future devices well no questions or comments this week uh, but we'd love to hear from you if you have anything you'd like to say to us send us email to questions at junkie.com or give us a call 650 524 and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show joey thank you very much as always for your time we'll talk to you later thanks for listening For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.